What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Jesse Strauss. We'll continue our conversation about oversight of police, or lack thereof, this time coming to KPFA's hometown of Berkeley, where the police department this week is embroiled in its own scandal. Earlier in the week, text messages and emails from a fired police officer, Corey Shadudi, were made public in those messages. It appears that police, Berkeley Police Sergeant Darren Kakalek told the unit he was in charge of to arrest 100 homeless people a day, creating an arrest quota which is illegal in California and against the Berkeley Police policy. Sergeant Kakalek was the Berkeley Police Officers Union president until he resigned after the messages were made public this week. That's only the tip of the iceberg in where Berkeley PD's ugly drama is landing this week. Our guest on this story today is Andrea Pritchett, longtime Bay Area activist and co-founder of Berkeley Cop Watch. Andrea, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Josie. It's good to be here. Glad to have you on. Andrea, we're going to talk about um, the handful of scandals that the Berkeley PD is involved with now, but First, can you help us understand the current issue? What did the text messages actually say about the department? Yeah, well, uh, Officer Shadudi released, he said it was, you know, the tip of the iceberg. But what's indicated by these texts is that, um, you know, there was definitely racially insensitive remarks. There was definitely, you know, joking about, um, you know, a disease to wipe out all the homeless people while they just drive by. There was a, but, but in addition to that, it were indications that there were arrest quotas. Now, arrest quotas are illegal in California, and um, uh, so what what we were reading in the text is that they were saying that they wanted to arrest a hundred uh, people. I think it's a week, um, and this is with the bike, the bike patrol, the bike force. So they were definitely targeting unhoused people, definitely ha- targeting people of color. And uh, this kind of predatory policing is really uh, damaging, is really frightening, honestly. There was also indications that that their supervisors, their lieutenants and captains and so forth, um, you know, were were encouraging this behavior and saying, look, if you go out and kick butt, we'll make sure you get lots of overtime. Berkeley's had a problem with overtime abuse with the police department. And, um, you know, what this indicates is that, that, you know, department leadership was a part of that you know that department leadership kind of may have known about it so i i think i think it's really incumbent upon our city leadership to dig into this yeah let's talk more about department leadership that department has been operating under an interim chief jennifer lewis and she was basically set to be hired earlier this week as the permanent police chief but with the revelations about these text messages that's been put off. What do we know about her direct or maybe indirect involvement with with this text message scandal? Well, well, the problem, you know, she says she knew nothing about it, that, you know, this is a, a surprise to her. But Jenna's also a longtime veteran of the police department. I mean, she's been in this department during the years when uh the, the community has struggled to get the department even to acknowledge that racial disparities uh, indicate racism within the department. You know, the police have tried to explain away these gross disparities in their statistics, 
around rate, uh, arrests and search rates saying, no, this is just, this is just a statistical problem. So Jen is, she's known that this is a problem inside the department. Now she's claiming that you know, what she, she's unaware of it. She never heard anything, you know, it, it's hard to believe. Um, and so, yeah, the city manager very reluctantly agreed to uh, postpone her appointment or in the confirmation of her appointment. But both the mayor and the city manager at the meeting Tuesday night said that they were, quote unquote, sure that the quote unquote investigation would uh, find that, you know, the interim chief had done nothing wrong and had no knowledge of it. And that's troubling. You know, we're trying to get a, a an objective investigation, and it doesn't seem like it's going to come from there. We also have been trying to advocate for our new police accountability board to have the power to actually investigate, as it as the voters uh, indicated they wanted it to do. Supposedly, it has subpoena power. Now, the city council has indicated that they're going to get an outside investigator who most likely will be operating under their control. And, um, you know, what we'd like to see is we'd like to see if this is really a police accountability board, let it do its thing. Let it, let it investigate. So it seems like it may very well be possible that the interim chief did not know about these specific text messages, but it seems like the, the text messages are, of course, an indicator of the culture within the Berkeley Police Department. And that seems like something yes. that she had to be aware of, right? Yeah, and you know, and, and, and it's a lose-lose either way, because if she knew about it, that's a problem. And if she didn't know about it, that's a problem. You know, the, the city mm. council and mm. the city manager decided to go with an internal hire, and I'm very, I'm very concerned that this chief is not going to be able to make the changes that need to be made to make the culture of the police department align with the values of our community. You know, we've got, we've got lieutenants and captains that have been there for 20, 30 years. You know, is she really going to go up against them? Is she really going to hold them accountable, you know, for their, for their uh, participation in these kinds of arrest quotas? Is she, is she going to be able to do that? I, I'm, really, I'm really concerned that, that she won't. Well, and I want to talk about another ongoing scandal in the Berkeley T- Police Department that apparently uh, Jennifer Lewis knew very specifically about. Um, in Tuesday's city council meeting, Brandon Woods, a lawyer with the Alameda County Public Defender's Office, said that the interim police chief had failed to adequately address the public defender's complaints that Berkeley police officers were not allowing counsel to be present on the phone when they read Miranda rights to children they arrest. He said that officers would often hang up the phone on public defenders who were staffing the juvenile Miranda hotline. Um, The public defender's office shared with us a letter that Brandon Woods sent to interim police chief Jennifer Lewis, but she failed to respond. We did try to bring Brandon Woods into the conversation this morning. He was regretfully not available. Instead, the public defender's office did send us this statement that helps us understand a little bit better. They say, quote, the California legislature passed the juvenile Miranda law for good reason. Children are especially vulnerable to manipulation by police and they deserve special protection under the law, even when they are accused of committing crimes. They also say that this isn't the first time their office has had to correct local police for not obeying California's new juvenile Miranda law and that they specifically had a similar issue with the Oakland Police Department last year. Finally, they said that since Brendan's comments on Tuesday's city council meeting, the interim chief 
has reached out to apologize for failing to respond and has offered to meet with Brendan to discuss it. The Alameda County Public Defender's Office is hopeful, this is what they say, is hopeful that the Berkeley police will listen to their concerns and change the way they treat the children they arrest. Andrea, how do these revelations impact the conversation around what's going on in the Berkeley Police Department, but more broadly, also in the potential appointment of Jennifer Lewis as permanent police chief? Well, I have to say, uh, Jesse, it's, it's, it seems like more of the same because one of one of one of the complaints that the community has lodged against the Berkeley Police Department is their is their unresponsiveness. That you know, it's almost like like the department is governed by complaint. You know, and if you can holler the loudest, if you can do a protest, you know, you might get some response. But that's not a way to lead a, a police department. You know, and yeah, sure. You know, I appreciate you know, Jen Lewis going ahead and calling the guy back after she got called out publicly and in the newspaper. But what about all the times when it doesn't get coverage? What about all the times when, you know, people reach out for for all kinds of reasons? And, um, you know, the fact that the abuse of the rights of juveniles doesn't rate on her scale of what's important is, again, is another very troubling feature of the possibility of her, uh, in, you know, permanent placement in the as chief so so um yeah that you know and, and berkeley has this problem with transparency you know while they trumpet themselves as the best police department in the nation you know meanwhile it's very hard to get any kind of information out of them access to public records is often delayed denied you know for very spurious reasons um you know so I, 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 I fear that what Jen Lewis represents is more of the same. And um, that's why I think this kind of internal hire is just begging for trouble, you know, to hire from the inside and not do an actual search beyond Berkeley's borders is a mistake. So, Andrea, a few minutes ago, you mentioned that Berkeley also has this new police accountability board, which is supposed to be a more empowered version of the city's old police review commission. It was something brought in by voters. We only have about a minute and a half left in our conversation today. But I'm wondering if if that uh, police accountability board were to function as voters intended, how would we see it working now? You know, we would see uh, them exercise their subpoena power. They would get the access to the text. They would get access to emails and documents and arrest reports and so forth and be able to verify whether or not quotas were in place, get to verify whether or not overtime was abused, et cetera. But it's up to the city council to actually empower that uh, police accountability board. They have to have – it requires political will. And in the absence of political will – any effort to hold police accountable will fail, I believe. Are there any efforts in Berkeley that you feel optimistic about in terms of police accountability at this point coming from the Berkeley Hopwatch perspective? I feel that the the um, implementation of a special care unit, the idea that, that there's going to be a new unit in Berkeley that's going to be responding to calls for help from the community uh, as, a, as an alternative to police response. That's what I think is the, is the direction we need to go in. So I do feel cautiously optimistic that as people come to know about the special care unit, as it goes online and if in, the, in the springtime or wh- whenever it actually gets you know, people on the, on the ground, 
I, I think that's a bright light. And hopefully the community will, will access it and support it and that the city will adequately fund it so that we won't have to rely on, um, you know, unresponsive police and an ingrown police culture that uh, sometimes doesn't have the best interests of the community at heart. Well, it's good to look forward to that light. We've been in conversation with Andrea Pritchett, a longtime Bay Area activist and co-founder of Berkeley Cop Watch. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Jesse, thank you so much. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>